video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, you my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh, yeah. And Mark, you <laughs> just told me before we started recording that the store is busier than ever. Busier than ever, just at the time when cases of coronavirus are starting to spike again in Ontario, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think is triggering all the people coming into the store? What, what, what movies do they need? You know what? I think it's less about the stuff that they need, although that does play into it. Like, we obviously have bigger weeks when there's a lot of stuff out, but I think people have just been sitting on their money for months and months now and haven't been spending it much, haven't been going out. So a lot of these guys who come in and spend, say, like, we have a bunch of customers that'll spend, usually would spend hundreds of dollars every week, haven't been here forever and are just, like, going crazy now. (laughs) I need these giant stacks of Blu-rays that will collapse and kill me. (laughs) I know, exactly, right? (laughs) All right, so this week we have, uh, in the cult stuff, Graveyards of Honor. It's a two-film set because it's the Kinju Fuku. Kasaku original and Takashi Miike's remake. Yeah, this has been totally flying off the shelf. Uh, I haven't seen any either of these films, but obviously Fukusaku and Miike are both kind of like titans of Japanese cult cinema. I've seen the Miike one, and all I remember is that uh, the I, I'm going to say protagonist, but he's a bad guy because it's about like a gangster and like his journey. He vomits for like 15 minutes at one point, and that's the one Great. scene that has <laughs> stuck in my mind. You know, he just seems to have to get a vomiting scene in there somewhere, you know. I wonder when Arrow is going to start, like, mining the you know, the dark days of Takashi Miike films being released on Blu-ray when you're getting, like, <laughs> Family 1 and 2 and you stuff know, like I that. I wouldn't be surprised if they went there at some point because, like, I feel like they just slap his name on anything and it sells, like, regardless of what title So, it is. I'm not going to name a company that made an announcement this week of new Blu-rays that are coming out, but, like, when they, no, when they announced it, I, I just messaged uh, my pal Will and I was like, there's just no more movies to be released anymore, right? Like, like if this is their big announcement, it's like, oh boy. Yeah, it's all been covered, right? <laughs> We're just getting new releases of the same old it's movies. It's like nobody wants these movies. <laughs> Why would... But people do want Graveyards of Honor, apparently. Yeah, we've been selling this like crazy and apparently it is a limited time set. You know, I know Arrow always says that, but if you want it and you like... You know, you missed out on some of their other limited time sets. Well, Arrow has a really good racket is that like they have a booklet. Yeah. And the booklet is gone when they do the reprint. But I don't know with like with their like Gamera set and with the Solid Metal Nightmare set, which are now technically out of print. Are they going to re-release those at some point or are those just done? They will, but not the sets as individual Blu-rays is what they like, said. Like, what's the Gamera set going to look like, right? Like, Or are they just going to release individual Gameras? Uh, they may do, maybe do, like, double sets, or... Because they did it with, um... Like, the Herschel Gordon Lewis. Like, they didn't release all of them. They just released the big ticket items that they knew would probably that's sell. True, that's like, true. 2000 Maniacs and stuff like that. I mean, speaking of movies that have been released a million times, Ghost in the Shell is out! <laughs> 1995 movie! Yeah, and now it's on Ultra HD! <laughs> ah, my eyes! I know. Jesus, it's too crisp! Too crisp! What do you, uh, Ultra HD, like... <laughs> have you been selling a lot of these? Oh, we've been selling tons of these. I mean, I guess if you want to get something to test out your Ultra HD player, like a, an anime, like a state-of-the-art anime from the 90s, you know? Like, in reviews, they're always like, this is a test level. Who are you testing it for? Like, who is coming to your house and you're like, look at this? And they're like, oh, cool. All right, can we go to the thing we yeah, were going to do? Yeah, the most obnoxious <laughs> people ever. Um, I don't know, though, because, I mean, look, buckle up here. UHDs 
are like selling bit better than ever these days. Wow. I don't know if people are just like everybody's getting UHD players now or people are preparing for when they're going to get UHD players, but like we sold, yeah, we've sold like tons of these so far and it's like Ghost in the Shell has been out two or three times already on Blu-ray and, you know, multiple times on DVD. I, I don't know. So there's definitely a demand for people rebuying kind of the same movies, classic movies on Ultra HD. You know what so. uh, people don't want is this director's new films, because he made one called Nowhere Girl that I keep hoping will come out with subtitles. It was made in 2010-ish, and it's never come out anywhere with English subs. Really? Okay. Yeah, I feel like his career post... I don't know, like Ghost in the Shell is kind of the only one I think I've seen from him. I don't think people are interested in anything that he makes that's not animated, basically. Well, you don't remember Avalon? Remember that one came out? Yeah, I never saw that. I think Ghost in the Shell might be the only one of his films I've seen. Like, I haven't even seen the sequels to Ghost in the Shell. He did Metropolis, too, right? Uh, I think that was somebody else. Okay. Yeah, see, I don't even know. I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, We also have uh, two... Doctor Who releases, but this is not the TV series. It's a theatrical film where Peter Cushing, right, plays Doctor Who? Yeah, those are the ones. Uh, these have been out of print forever. We're only available on, like, bad Anchor Bay DVDs once upon a time. So these have been selling really, really well. Um, I don't know what the difference between these and the TV show is. I assume these are a little more cinematic. Yeah, it's. I think one of them is directed by, like, one of the Hammer stalwarts, like Terrence Fisher yeah. or something like that. And it, they're I think the adaptations of some TV series, some Doctor Who fans like, you guys are completely wrong. I know. <laughs> but I, I, they're out of continuity. So like Peter Cushing is not a doctor. He's just like playing, you know, the idea of the doctor in these films. Right. Well, right. I'm glad they've come out. And I think they may be Hammer films. So uh, Shout Factory may be like, what? No. What happened? <laughs> what yeah, happened? These have been selling like hotcakes, so I'm sure they're uh, kicking themselves over that. Uh, one. We also have Love Hunter from the Synapse's label, Impulse, right? Yeah. Nikatsu, Japanese porno ish film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and usually they don't release these on Blu ray, they usually just go DVD on these, but I think this is their first Blu ray release from Impulse. So. Um, yeah, I don't know much about this film. I, you know, I hear it's a little more artsy maybe than, you know, like the zoom in sex apartment movies or whatever they release. Why but, don't uh, the pornographer distributors think that people want to enjoy their films in Blu-ray quality? Come on. Exactly. Right. But, you know, I, these things sell. So I feel like we've talked about Impulse's line before. Mm-hmm. And people just pick them up. Yep. They pick them up and they do what needs to be done while watching they do them. What needs to be done. And uh, we also have Suckers released by Synapse. Uh, this is a film from the director of Trekkies, the documentary. Never yeah. heard about it. It feels like it's maybe a friend of the person that works at Synapse, and that's why this movie's being released. Yeah, this is a. I don't know what's going on with Synapse these days. We're. Uh, what is what is the state of their company when Suckers is like the best movie they can get their hands on? Um, you know what? I remember seeing this in the video store, though, when I was younger, um, when I guess it first came out. And just mm-hmm. I, the cover of it's really vivid to me, but I never watched it. It seems to be like a used car salesman comedy that's really, um, really crude. That was like real big for a, a while, right? Because it was also like... Blood, Bullets, and Octane, the Joe Carnahan movie. Yeah, there was the the uh, Breakfast of Champions adaptation, which I think came out around that same time. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, there were a bit few. So they're really bigging this up like it's some kind of like undiscovered 90s cult comedy. It's like some Kevin Smith type thing they're trying to like sell it as. 
I don't know. I've never seen this one, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I looked at some reviews because it was on the table for a blind buy, and I could not find one positive thing about really? it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's touched it so far. So, you know, please, somebody tell us what you think of Suckers or come on in and buy it and let us know what you think. So moving on to the classic section. Oh, my God. More Alfred Hitchcock movies in UHD, and it's the same group again and these sold even better than ghost in the shell like we were sold out of these sets wait but does this one come in a house no, like the other one not did? unfortunately not yeah <laughs> but you know what i feel like a lot of people that bought that house are buying this again it's like you just spent like over a hundred dollars on that house of hitchcock thing. wait wasn't that house a uhd release no, as that well was just blu-ray so this is actually the first ultra hd release of hitchcock's films so you get Psycho, Rear Window. Your eyes can't tell the difference. They can't I know, and it's tell just the four difference. big ones that have been released a thousand times before. It's Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo, and The Birds, actually. So it's those four. Oh, so it's not like the big set that has, like, Frenzy, no, The Trouble About Harry. it's just Harry. four of them. Oh. That's it. But, huh. so yeah, they're in Ultra HD. It's a beautiful set. The big get with this, though, is with Psycho... Uh, which also comes alone on like a standalone Blu-ray. The, for the first oh, time, oh, there's that extra ten seconds that are uncut that I've never been seen. Which apparently has never been Ooh. seen since it first played in theaters. I wasn't even aware there was an uncut version that hadn't been seen. But this is the first time it's been available on at least North American discs. So get back to me when they get the epilogue from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining that has never made it to disc, or his original ending to Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, where's Warner Brothers? You know, kind of dredging that up. Oh, they've looked. I'm sure it just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, the Psycho one confuses me because, like, it was in wide release. Uh, not Psycho, Shining. It was in wide release for one week, and then he pulled it and cut those scenes. So they must exist somewhere. Yeah, no, it's weird. I remember seeing a, like a screening of it at the Lightbox years ago. I think when they were doing this, the Tiff Bell Lightbox here in Toronto, when they were doing their Kubrick retrospective, and it was like the it was the European cut, which I think was maybe close to what it was. It was different. It was close to what you're talking about. But even that, like nobody's tried to put that on disc or anything so oh the epilogue is missing if people don't know what we're talking about there's an epilogue where that takes place in a hospital i believe uh, at the end of the movie and it played for a week in theaters and cooper called it back and cut that scene out so we also have two jewels the same movies brute force and the naked city good movies yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm a super fan or anything like that, but I enjoy these movies. I've seen them. Yep. Uh, they've both been out on Criterion before, so this is just kind of like a standard Blu-ray upgrade. The cover, the artwork is like exactly the same. The features are exactly the same. It looks indistinguishable. So I don't know. This is the kind of release I feel like if you have the DVD already, you're probably okay. But if you really Mark need- can't tell the difference between Blu-rays and DVDs. That's what he's trying to say. Seriously, I'm getting to the point now. I used to be so hardcore about like Blu-ray only, unless it's only on DVD. And now I'm at the point where I don't really care anymore. <laughs> it was a big deal when I was uh, a DVD collector. I didn't own a Blu-ray player, and then they stopped doing special features for uh, DVDs. Yeah, and I would have to get the Blu-ray if I wanted I know. them. And that that pushed me to get Blu-rays. That always happened with me, you know. Even back with VHS, I would like held off for so even though VHS was like the worst quality i held off so long with dvds I'm like no i'm sticking with vhs i got my vhs collection i'm not going over to dvd and uh criterion is putting out a movie they've never released and that's the comfort of strangers paul schrader's film <gasps> this week's blind boy paul schrader you paul schrader of fan we've talked about him a lot yeah we well we talked about him a few weeks ago with the patty hearst release i think with vinegar syndrome which is what i haven't seen from his either but yeah i love paul schrader i know you're a huge paul schrader 
Schrader head. I feel like Paul Schrader is like bigger than ever these days after Thanks uh, to his Facebook profile and yeah, his hilarious right. he, like, status updates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like after First Reformed, it really spurred people on to start checking out his back catalog because we have been renting more Paul Schrader movies than ever before. This is uh, this is a bit of a strange one for him. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Okay, so you so you hated it then? <laughs> oh, I hated it. Yeah, really? I wouldn't say I hated it. I would say it was it was a bit of a mixed bag for me. It's Paul Schrader essentially trying to make like a Merchant Ivory like prestige film that'll play in the art houses, and it's so strained and like false and it ends in a way where you can feel Paul Schrader's like I guess these movies end like this like, yeah well it's like one of those thrillers I'm like doing air quotes that like doesn't really have any thrills in it like it's got this like steady sense of like something's wrong but there's nothing it's mostly just like a drama and then it gets to the end and there's like a really like violent climax out of nowhere wasn't it weird that the violent climax wasn't even violent that there was barely any violence on screen that definitely feels like a calculated this i think this whole film feels calculated from paul schrader that he's trying to do something else that is not to his strengths which are more like violent and kind of in-your-face stuff, like hardcore. And this is him being like, I checked, and this was actually made a couple of years before Age of Innocence, but it feels like a move that Paul Schrader did, like Scorsese, like, I want to do something different to prove to people that I can do it. Exactly. And this was, for a bit of context, this was a bit of a departure because he didn't actually write this one. It is, so it's based on a novel by Ian McEwen, who's probably best known, like, for the, uh, Atonement was based on his book, and he's a big writer in English. England. He also wrote a bunch of screenplays. He wrote the screenplay for The Good Son, the Macaulay Culkin movie, too, which is a bit oh, of a... a favorite of yours. Yeah, but, but usually he writes, like, really bougie kind of, like, wartime novel or just British novels. And the screenplay was adapted by Harold Pinter, who is, like, a, obviously a super famous British playwright who's very particular about words and almost a bit of, like, a Samuel Beckett thing. There's just so much, like, pedigree behind it to some degree. And the, Also, white people only it is very like rich white people vacationing in venice kind of movie i mean it's literally that <laughs> that's all it is because you've got like the cup the young couple that's there played by uh, natasha richardson and rupert everett and then like the older couple who they they kind of like fall in with who turns out to be who are kind of like evil i guess but they're just like they're not italians or anything they're just christopher walken and helen mirren living in italy isn't christopher walken trying to do an italian accent he's doing some kind of accent well, he's right? canadian though right didn't he say he was canadian yeah there's a whole like subplot thing there's a whole thread where he says he's canadian or that he's from canada yeah i don't know this movie does look gorgeous i think it was shot by dante spinati uh, if I'm not mistaken, who is obviously a big cinematographer. Um, it really has. You can tell he's kind of trying to make like an Antonioni movie a little bit, too. Like I do. I have to say, I mean, Venice looks beautiful in it. Like a lot of the shots, even the shots where there's an extended sequence where they the couple first meets, first meets Christopher Walken. And they go walking down these, like, back alleys and everything for what seems like ever through this, like, maze of, like, buildings and alleys and everything. And it's a really kind of hypnotic sequence. Um, so I like kind of what he does with the environment of Venice. I'm not sure there's much 
payoff in this movie. I wish it was weirder. Like, I wish it was, like, more Alain René-esque than uh, Antonioni, which feels more to Paul Schrader's strengths. But obviously, he's... what I wonder what movie came out before this, that he's like, okay, I gotta do one for them, one for, the, like, the critics. Patty Hearst, actually. So Patty Hearst was right before was, this. Okay, and Patty Hearst was a bomb. So, like, this was his attempt to, like... Show him that he could still yeah, do it. Yeah, right? So I guess... But he was also coming off of, like, writing Last Temptation of Christ. So I guess... And that was, like, controversial and everything. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this movie, I was really into it for a while. Like, I did like the vibe of it for a long time. And I think it's just a lot of these movies, these, like, kind of bougie thrillers that are more about just, like, is something actually going on, or is... Who cares? I'm rich. I feel sad. I'm gonna meet these other rich people. We'll talk cryptically at each other, and it's like, and at the end, there'll be an act of violence that isn't even shown on screen. No. And then the end, and Christopher Walken keeps, like... Oh, man, that last monologue at the end, I'm like, is he just improvising well, Christopher something? Walken keeps monologuing in this, right? And he monologues, like, the same thing a while. And you're supposed to, like... Clearly, it's like a Harold Pinter thing. You can tell he's, like, doing something with his dialogue and trying to, like... I don't know, trying to get at something. And I, maybe I just don't get it. Maybe a lot of it went over my head or something. But I don't know. I just, like... Turn it off! Turn it off! <laughs> It didn't leave me with as much to think about as I feel like it's supposed to. Why couldn't Criterion release the uh, Michael J. Fox, uh, Paul Schrader movie? The one that's filled with Bruce Springsteen songs. It also co-stars, uh, is it Debbie Harry? I think it co-stars Debbie Harry as well as his sister. That's a fun I'm one. I'm blanking on it. I don't even know what that is. That sounds yeah, great. And that one, I think, doesn't even have a DVD release. I remember when I watched it, it was like a full screen VHS. Well, maybe some companies are, I feel like more companies are going to get into the Paul Schrader thing. I feel like Criterion maybe like... This is one of the only ones they could get the rights to or something. I don't know. Because even like I was looking at some of the reviews at the time and it got pretty mixed reviews at the time too. Like even in 1990 or whatever it came out, a lot of critics were like, this is boring. Nothing happens. Like it looks beautiful, but like nothing happens in this. So I don't know. I think maybe it's like it's been selling okay. So there's definitely I don't know if it's just because it's Paul Schrader or if there is sort of like an appreciation for this film. I mean, I do like Christopher Walken in it to some degree because he's so over the top. But I mean, Christopher Walken's always over the top like that. So I mean, it's not really that the different. The movie I was talking about was Light of Day. It came out in 1987, directed by Paul right. Schrader, Michael J. Fox, Gina Rollins, Joan Jett, not Debbie Harry, and Michael McKee. Right, of course. I have heard about that. You're right, and it hasn't come out on DVD or anything. You know what? It may be a musical rights issue. Right. Because I feel like it's probably packed with those kind of like uh, hard rock songs that are probably yeah. given permission only for the theatrical release. So moving on. So you, we would, have, you would not not blind by this one i'm no, I, would, I, I would not blind by this one <laughs> i or, would say this is like for hardcore schrader heads that really just like want to see everything he did but yeah i wouldn't say it's a standout it feels more more like a kind of just any other movie you don't feel his style in it maybe as much as some of his other stuff uh, but worth a watch if you're into his we stuff. also have a single warner archive release are you just cherry picking what they're putting out at this point, Mark? No, this is just what came out this month or this it's week. It's Kentucky Colonels, a Wheeler and Woosley comedy directed by George Stevens. Uh, I have a soft spot for Wheeler and Woosley, the forgotten comedy team. I have their biography sitting on my shelf. Yeah. Well, please inform me because I don't know who these guys are. Oh, <laughs> they're just two like uh, like surreal comedians. And I only know them because when we did an episode of the Important Cinema Club on the Marx Brothers, Will suggested to do them as well. 
well. I had never heard of them before. They're just like forgotten comedians. Like, so there's the Ritz brothers, Wheeler and Woosley, and then the Marx brothers. That is like the, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think somebody's putting a box set of their movies out. So I don't know if Warner archives is like jumping on this before yeah, then. No, or... this is, this is the only one of their releases. I guess they have on the slate. They don't have anything else coming out from them imminently. Um, We've sold a few of these so far, so there's definitely some some fans out there that have been waiting for this Blu-ray. Um, Any young people? Actually, no. There was <laughs> there was one guy our age who bought it, and I was I was like, and he pre-ordered it too, and I'm like, okay, that's what I was looking into it. Like, is there something about this? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the long the, the descendant. Yeah, the long lost descendant. Maybe he was the son of Wheeler and Woosley, a <laughs> <laughs> grandson, grandson. <laughs> Uh, moving on to new stuff. Moo! First cow by Kelly Reinhardt. Am I on this call with a cow right now? How holy. <laughs> yeah, first cow. You definitely saw this one. I did see this one. I was. I'm trying to like th- think of some like cow pun to like. <laughs> I was utterly delighted. Utterly. Yeah, I was just going to go there. Um, no, I really did love this film. I saw this. Uh, I actually reviewed this. I saw this at a press screening probably about like two weeks before covid shut everything down and it was actually due to come out in toronto theaters like the day before like all the theaters shut down so i think it played for like one day in theaters here and then everything shut down i really like this film though i mean it's definitely a kelly reichardt joint so if you like her stuff you're gonna like this um it follows along with like something like meek's cutoff where it uses kind of the western setting again to tell like a sort of unique esoteric story because it's really just about Two guys who are trying to make make a fortune in like uh, the Northwest U.S. on the frontier by making these like really nice dessert, like breakfasty um, cakes, basically. And they use they basically steal the milk from like a wealthy landowner who has a cow, and they go at night. I thought this was a movie about the cow being elected president. I know, right? You would. Think, <laughs> I mean, that's a movie I would love to see, especially if Kelly Riker directed it, <laughs> or anyone yeah. else for that matter. Right? But it's like a really silly comedy. It's like Carrot Top is his VP. Uh, but no, this movie is really lovely. The two actors in it are fantastic. I can't even remember their names now, but uh, it's just got a great vibe. If it's, I mean, like Kelly Reichardt. You, if you love her stuff at this point, you're going to continue to love this. It doesn't really – I wouldn't say it really, like, changes the game in terms of what she's been doing, but it's just, like, another really good entry in her filmography. We also have True History of the Kelly Gang put it put out by Shout Factory. Uh-oh, a new movie being put out by Shout. There's got to be some problems here. Uh, this one is directed by the guy who made Macbeth and Assassin's Creed. Yeah, and also The Snowtown Murders, which is a fantastic movie. I think that was his first film about us. Wait, which is the David Gordon Green one that also has a similar title? Yeah, what is that? Uh, I can't remember. Ugh, Mark, this is your job. What's what's going it's on? It's not Snow Angels, is it? It is Snow Angels. Yeah, there you go. I got there. I got there. No, that was different. But yeah, so Justin Kurtzel, um, I mean, I love the Snowtown Murders and I and I liked Macbeth a lot. I never got to Assassin's Creed and I heard mixed things about this one. Some people seem to really like it when it was at uh, TIFF last year, I think. And then some people seem to like really dislike it for Doesn't some reason. Doesn't it star one of those generic Australians like Sam Worthington? Or yeah, like... it's got that guy. What's his name? Oh, he the guy from Pacific Rim, right? That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to you remember. Know, Jack. 
But Charlie Hunnam's in this too. That's uh, who I was thinking of. Charlie Hunnam. He's a Pacific Rim guy. Right, right. Russell Crowe's in this. Even um, do you think it's big? Do you think it's big Russell Crowe or uh, uh, skinny Russell Crowe? I think it's big Russell Crowe. Is there anything other than big <laughs> Russell Crowe these days? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't he an actor? He can shift like a like a, a manitou between yeah, shifts. He's like Christian Bale, you know. He's like going. Between... Did you see that Road Rage movie that uh, Russell Crowe no, started? I definitely want to see it because I hear it's unhinged. I, yeah, unhinged. We'll be getting that in uh, in November here, I think, at the store. Uh, I love that that was one of the first movies to like be in theaters again when everything reopened. <laughs> if you're seeing this. You're probably unhinged. I hear it's like falling down, but like way more vicious and nasty. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we also have Bad Education, an HBO movie, and who does it feel like one? And this one stars Hugh Jackman. Yeah, well, this actually played it. This was like a gala presentation, I think, at TIFF last year. Uh, yeah, but that, that's exactly what I mean. HBO movie, gala presentation. Well, was it supposed to come out to theaters, maybe? And then it just went to HBO? Uh, I think it did open briefly in theaters. I don't know. If anybody that ever seen one of the HBO like fictional films they definitely have like a feel to them it's weird to me like they're supposed to be more prestige but you're right they feel just like any other TV movie I mean right? you look at the trailer for this you're like did Jason Reitman make this one because it definitely it does feel like a Jason Reitman movie yeah it was actually directed by Corey Finley, who made Thoroughbreds, which didn't really do anything for me. So. Oh, yeah, but that was delayed for a long time, too. That was delayed for like two, three years. That movie just felt like, you know, a rich white kid, you know, just making a movie in his mansion. And this movie's about uh, a school district that was like funneling money uh, out of, I don't know, their coffers into their own pockets. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Burn the school to the ground. Totally. Yeah. We have a bunch of TV <laughs> series. Some of them I've heard nothing of. Frankie Drake Mystery Season 3. What the heck is this? This is a British show of some this kind? This is Canadian, proud Canadian content right here. You're uh, you're disrespecting your country. Is it a spinoff of Murdoch Mysteries? If it doesn't have something to do with Murdoch, I feel like it's from the same producers or something. But it's about a female private eye in like 1920s Toronto or something like that. It's very, very popular with our crowd. We also have Mr. Mercedes Season 3. This is the uh, like crime series that based on books written by Stephen King. How many Stephen King TV series are there? <laughs> Seriously, not enough. They gotta keep making them. I feel like we talked about one like every week for the last like several months. I just uh, finished reading Peter Straub's Ghost Story. Somebody should adapt that into a TV series. People don't know it's not actually about ghosts. It's about basically it, which Stephen King ripped off for his own It book, which came out years later. Is that the book that the movie from the 80s ghost story was based on? It or? is, oh, but okay. according to some people who messaged me on Twitter after I posted about the book, they said the movie, other than like the characters and the barest premise... It's not an adaptation of the book. Oh, okay. I never really liked that movie anyway. So. Yeah, it's like it. It's about like a shape-shifting monster. It's like taking out the whole town. Oh, okay. That sounds interesting. Which is not what the movie they should is. should make that. Yeah, it actually reads like... The only thing is like reading it, you're like, oh, like a lot of this was ripped off by Stephen King and other like novelists after that fact. So we also have Prodigal Son season one. Is this... What is this? A Warner show? This is like some crime show with Michael Sheen that was like a big Michael deal. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen, right? Everybody loves Michael Sheen. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's some crime show. with Oh, Lou Diamond Phillips is in it, too. I love me some Ooh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, I do Diamond like Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> I know, right? I don't know. It's like 
one of the, Malcolm Bright, one of the best criminal psychologists around, uses his twisted genius to help the NYPD solve oh, crimes. So boring. Oh, I think that he's the son of a serial he killer. Is. Yeah, that's what it is. Is Michael Sheen the serial killer or something? I, I don't think that's know. what it Maybe is. Maybe James. Um... <laughs> I don't know. People like these shows. It was like a big hit. I think. You know, it's not for us. That's that's it. Do you know that like most people watch five hours of television a day? That's three movies. I watch three movies a day. It's not that it's much. Weird when like you say you watch a lot of movies to certain people, they're like, oh man, that's like so many movies to watch. But then yeah, they, these same people will watch like five hours of TV shows like this every They'll day. They watch like a 10-hour Netflix <laughs> yeah, exactly. series in like a day. <laughs> we also have two uh, DC comic stuff. Supergirl season five. Yeah. Eh, not for me. <laughs> yeah, not for me. Uh, and Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Another origin yeah. story in animated form. No, thank you. It looks like they're trying to kind of do some of the old style, like serial animation for this one. Like they're trying to uh, replicate the old. Uh, is it the Fleischer cartoons? The Fleischer cartoons. Yeah, it's got that look to it, but hmm. I don't know. We also have Retaliation. Uh, a film from 2017, an adult victim of childhood sexual abuse confronts the horror of his past. Dark. Yeah, this sounds really serious, but then you look at it and it's starring Orlando Bloom and it's like a revenge. <laughs> and it's a revenge Ooh, is he thriller. naked in it? Yeah. That's his new look, right? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and it's like a cheesy revenge thriller, so. Ooh, I'm shocked you didn't watch this I one. I know, I, I definitely thought about it and it just never happened, but I don't know. Orlando Bloom just doesn't really do it for me. It just looked like it was going to be boring, honestly. And we have a movie called Beats about two best mates growing up in 1994, and I guess they love. The club scene, the youth movement across the UK. <laughs> it's about, yeah, the club scene. This was a really big hit at festivals, so people have really been uh, waiting for this one to come out. Um, <laughs> have they? <laughs> have they really been waiting people, for it to come out? All these people that waiting, waiting for these things to come out. I swear they exist. I swear. Is this a way that like you're like, oh man, how am going to sell this? All right, I'll say that there's a lot of people waiting for there's, it. Yeah, I know. And listeners Seriously. will be like, oh man, I got to get on this train before I'm no, left I'm behind. I'm telling you, if there's one thing I've learned from retail, if you tell people that something's popular, they will buy it. <laughs> uh, we also have Straight Up, which is a gay brainiac with OCD struggles with accepting his sexuality and starts a purely romantic, no sex relationship with an actress. You got anything for me, Mark? This is a bit of a, a lackluster. This is some real generic titles. list this week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is just all we got on our shelves this we week. We also have <laughs> Benjamin, a promising young filmmaker, is thrown into emotional disarray over impending release of his second feature <laughs> when he is introduced to a magnetic French musician called Noah. What? This isn't directed by Xavier Delon? I know, right? <laughs> It sounds like, you know, a Woody Allen movie, but made by somebody young. So, well, it's know. made by, I believe, an actor who appeared on a TV show called Merlin. And that's oh, what like he's really popular for. And he it? directed and stars in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was looking him up and his like photo on IMDb certainly looked like an actor photo. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. We also sense. have The Cordillera of Dreams. This is more Mark Speed. Looks like a documentary, yeah, right, Mark? Yeah, I haven't seen this one, but I this is a really big filmmaker that made this. Patricio Guzman. Um, he made, he's a Chilean filmmaker, and he's probably best known for The Battle of Chile, which was an expansive, like, eight-hour documentary about the Chilean coup and the Pinochet regime and everything. Uh, he made that I think in like the 90s, late 90s or something like that. Um, or maybe even earlier. Oh, no, that's what it was. So he made he made the first part of it during the regime and everything. So it was kind of like happening as that was going on. And then he followed up with it later and it became this like expansive sort of like documentary prog 
um, project. But since then, he's made a lot of other films, uh, and they all kind of cover the same sort of ground. They're all kind of examining Chile and what it means to be Chilean, what it means to have lived through that regime and everything. Uh, He made one called Nostalgia for the Light about 10 years ago now, which was a pretty big hit. So this is another film where he just kind of grapples with Chilean history. It's supposed to be fantastic. His stuff always looks really beautiful, too. So if you are a fan of his, I would say definitely check this out. And if you just like kind of uh, really beautiful, experiential kind of documentaries, I would say go for this. And if you like dogs, you should check out Los Reyes, a film about two dogs. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, it's put out by Grasshopper, so, you know, it's definitely got that high art cred. Um, but, yeah, it sounds kind of like a Keddie sort of thing, but uh, with a couple of dogs that hang out at a skate park in uh, Spain somewhere, I want to say. do they skate? Are they, like, can they talk? I think it follows, like, a young skater and her relationship with these dogs or something oh, like that. Oh, she taught, teaches them how to skateboard. I am there. Dog skateboarding. I am all for it. Um, but yeah, this takes place in uh, you know what? This actually takes place in Chile as well. So this is also a Chilean film. We have Jasper Mall, another documentary. So many dogs and Mark brings them all in. I saw this one and this is really good actually. So this kind of didn't get much attention. It, um, it was just made this year. So maybe it would have gotten more uh, attention if it was like if festivals were still happening. I think it played at Slam Dance at the beginning of the year and then just kind of went right to DVD because, like, you know, festivals just kind of stopped happening. Uh, But this is a really great documentary about a mall in Jasper, Alabama that's dying, basically. So all, like, the big stores have moved out of it. It's basically on its last legs. um, And you kind of just follow a bunch of the people who work there. I would say, like, the star of the show is kind of the guy who um, is, like, the maintenance man, like, He's, but he's also like the operating operating manager. He does a lot, and he's a really like endearing presence. He, you kind of follow him, but you also get to hear from all the pe- the people that still work there, um, that own stores there, that some of the customers. It's just a really fun, like it's just a, like a really fun kind of cute movie. But it also has like a heaviness to it because the mall is closing, and it gets kind of more and more desolate as the movie goes on. And it's weird for like you know. Malls are so associated with, like, capitalism and, like, corporate greed and stuff like that. But, like, it does take you back to a time when, like, I guess in the 80s and 90s where malls, especially, like, a mall like this was really, like, a place, like, a community hub for a town like this. And they had a lot of events and everything. And the guy who runs the mall is trying to, like, bring that sense back but kind of, like – failing because nobody wants to come into this mall because just there's no money to be made anymore um so it's really cool it's really beautifully shot uh it's got some really it's all scored with like muzak too which is a really nice touch so it kind of feels like you're just hanging out at this mall for like an hour and a half i would say it's really worth checking out it's kind of like one of those unheralded like kind of indie documentary gems that i feel like deserves more attention than it's getting but um it kind of just got dumped to dvd by uh, gravitas ventures with like no special features or anything but um yeah definitely check it out if it's worth a rental if you just want something like fun and entertaining to watch and we also have 2019's dreamland the new bruce mcdonald movie i haven't even heard about this one what is it about mark well this movie really sucks so i'm gonna throw- <laughs> <laughs> what happened to bruce mcdonald what happened to bruce mcdonald so yeah this really went under the radar i only saw that i only heard about this because i got it to review because it came out briefly on VOD and everything a couple of months ago. 
Um, so this is a re- reunion between um, Bruce McDonald and writer Tony Burgess and star Stephen McCaddy, who all did Pontypool together. About Ooh, a love Pool. Yeah, and that's the thing. I was really actually excited for this because Pontypool was great. I really liked really Wait, liked wait, that. wait. Didn't uh, Tony Burgess write Hellions as well? Or was that another guy? <sighs> I think he did. I didn't see Hellions, but I heard it was uh, not good. It's very funny. <laughs> that's uh, okay. all I'll say. Yeah. I was really excited for Hellions, and then I had so, some friends of mine saw it and just said it was like the worst horror movie there's ever. A, there's a scene where like Robert Patrick gets sucked up through an attic, and he's like, oh! Oh. <laughs> and he just gets like sucked up. It made me laugh. Yeah, I think you would enjoy it actually. Yeah, I got I got to go back to the that. The gimmick was that they shot it in infrared, a lot of it, right. and then at the last second they like chickened out and they tried to make it look as normal as it, they can, so it just looks like shit. <laughs> It's like, why? Yeah, I heard a lot about the look of it looking bad. And you know what? On that note, the look of this movie looks really bad, too. Um, I don't know what anybody was thinking. This is one of those movies that I feel like seemed like a good idea on paper. But then, like, when you put it together, it's just, like, not good at all. It's trying to go for this, like steampunk meets like noir meets like <laughs> oh, no. western meets horror like there's there's like a vampire character in it it's just like a mishmash of like all these different genres it's basically Stephen mccaddy plays two characters one who's like an assassin for this like uh, crime lord who's played by henry rollins in a really like enthusiastic performance and he also plays this other guy who the Hitman version of Stephen McCaddy is tasked to kill. It's just like the whole plot is really convoluted. It doesn't really make any sense. It's trying to be funny, but none of the jokes land. Uh, It's not scary. It's not particularly thrilling. Like there's nothing that it looks cheap. Like the production design doesn't look very good. It just it like really is one of those quintessential bad Canadian movies where it like doesn't have any sort of vibe to it, even though. From everything I'm describing, it seems like it should have, like, a a cool vibe, but it just doesn't at all. It's just so flat. Wait, I was looking at uh, Bruce McDonald's credits. He directed eight episodes of a show called Creeped Out, which is, like, a kid's version of Black Mirror. It's, like, a horror anthology show on Netflix. It's existed from 2017 to 2019. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, I've never heard of that. You know, Bruce McDonald is a jack-of-all-trades. He does so much work. Like, he never stops working, whether it's, like, TV or feature films or, like, music videos or whatever. Yeah, his last credits were was Mallory Towers, which is set in post-World War II Britain. The show follows the adventures of a 12-year-old Daryl Rivers. You know what? I, I mean, I do like Bruce McDonald. He always... Uh, Seems like a nice guy. Bruce is like, listen, a guy, I like to play on the horses a lot. I got to keep that money flowing. I remember when I was in, I was in film school at York University here in Toronto and it was around the time the Tracy Fragments was coming out, that film he made with Ellen Page, where it was like the gimmick was it was all these different screens that were all. So like there were all these like, yeah, different screens on the screen and you'd hear like the audio with one of them. It was like this whole like editing experiment. And because our editing teacher was, I guess, close with him, he got she got all the raw footage and we all had to like edit our own versions of scenes from Ugh, that. What a but nightmare. We had to show them <laughs> to him. He came. Bruce McDonald came into the class and judged all of our uh, our projects. <laughs> like, But he was really nice about it. So, you know. And what did you what did he say about yours, Mark? He said it was the best thing he's ever seen ever <laughs> and then i became wow. a famous filmmaker and the rest is history <laughs> yeah mark hansen wait has picture claire ever been released uh, on blu-ray no. picture claire you know what i actually watched picture claire before watching dreamland because i'd never seen picture claire and juliette lewis is actually in dreamland as well 
So I just wanted to watch it just because I'd always wanted to see it. Picture Claire is terrible. <laughs> what an awful oh, movie. What a good Toronto movie, though. Just walking around Toronto. <laughs> Whose idea was it to cast Juliette Lewis as a Quebecois woman, though? With, like, the <laughs> worst accent ever. I remember I had fun with it. Yeah. I mean, it was fun to see, like, Kensington Market, like, 20 yeah, years yeah, ago yeah. and everything. Where most Mickey Rourke take... get killed yeah, in the first scene in, in like, some famous scene. location? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he gets killed right away. Oh, poor Bruce McDonald. Poor Bruce. Yeah, we know, say poor Bruce. He's still working. It's not like he's fine, decrepit you know? or anything he's made like so that. So many classics that are like classics of Canadian cinema. You know what? We've point. recommended it before. We recommend it again. People should watch Twitch City, the uh, his version of Space. Yeah, no, that was great. That was always like that was always fun. It was like always on TV when I was growing up. I feel like I just saw it all the time. Uh, and we rent that at the store, so it's like long out of print. But if you want to watch Twitch City, come Speaking in. Speaking of Canadian, we have another Canadian movie, Dead Dicks, being put out by Raven Banner and Art Exploitation. Uh, I haven't seen this. I mean, I heard this was kind of a hit at like Fantasia, and it's Canadian, right? So yeah, Canadian. I mean, and the Blu-ray you have in the store is a Canadian exclusive. It is. So yeah, the DVD is just kind of like a bare bones one. But yeah, the Blu-ray was put out by Raven Banner, who's the Canadian company that distributed it. And it's like a special limited edition Blu-ray. It comes loaded with features. It's kind of like what they did with Gaspar Noé's Climax. Oh yeah, even here. though they listed the commentary track that's not on the actual Blu-ray. Ooh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't know about that. Yeah. Uh, but where's Raven Banner? Where's the special edition of the Crescent? Yeah, what's going on with that? We like the only DVD we have is like this import from like Echo Bridge, which is a terrible looking. Uh, I think that Amazon owned the rights of the Crescent for a while because they legally had to buy it. Oh, is that uh, because it got into the Toronto National Film Festival? Remember, Amazon made a deal that if you're a Canadian movie and you play TIFF. They will buy your movie for $100,000. Oh, no way. I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> and after that happened, they're like, we're not doing that next yeah, year. So what are we supposed the, to do with the Crescent? Yeah, they bought the Crescent. They were like, we don't know what to do with this exactly. movie. <laughs> so we also have uh, Butt Boy being released by Umbrella Epic. I've seen this movie. Not a fan. It's, it's, a, it's a funny idea, which is like, it's all about a guy who sucks stuff up into his butt. <laughs> and, but it's played dead serious. Like, there's no winking, there's no, like, big jokes or anything like that. There's no scene where the guy shits stuff out and you see it come out of his butt. It sounds like a Quentin Depew kind of premise or something. Yeah, it climaxes with a CGI explosion. How dare you? How dare you? What wasted potential. <laughs> if it's called Butt Boy, I want to see a guy coming out of a guy's butt society style. Like the end of <laughs> yeah. uh, Gozu, where that guy... <laughs> The, yeah. the, the man oh, is I born. Love the end of Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like if you're gonna call your movie Butt Boy and make it all about yeah, sucking things up your butt. Like I was legit I was really, you know, into checking this out when I first heard about it. It sounded fun. And then I just heard, yeah, basically what you're saying, that it just doesn't really live up to It's like its a college premise. humor sketch. That's 90 minutes. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Rest in peace, college humor. I don't think they're around anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They they were great. We also have not Zilla. <sighs> a Japanese Godzilla parody. Yeah. I think made by a bunch this? of white people, right? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I looked into it when I saw it on the upcoming releases, and I was like, ooh, this felt... Oh, no. Yeah. I don't think any... It ha This hasn't played anywhere. Like, this is just going straight to DVD, and I think it's... <laughs> it's being released by, by the Godzilla company. Yeah, so they're just self-distributing it. But it's weird. Um, we, we hadn't ordered this in initially because I'd just never heard of this. But then when it came out, we had two separate people... Uh, pre-order like put their names down to order it in so I'm like all right i guess people know about this but i don't know you've never heard about not this? until i saw it on the list and then when i went looking into it the reviews were like not funny it's <laughs> e even as like a kju fan it's it's doesn't work yeah 
No, it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so sad. You're like throwing the DVDs in the fire. Yeah, sorry. Well, two people are happy that they picked it up. Yeah. Oh, are they happy though when they got home and watched it? <laughs> we also have Skyman, a sequel to Blank Man. Finally. I wish. <laughs> where's the uh, Where's the Blu-ray on Blank Man? By the way, I feel like that should be a Kino Lorber Studio Classics right there, shouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that feels like a real Mill Creek release. You know, if there I ever think because so, I think yeah. it's one of those old like Disney Touchstone titles or something. Did Meteor right? Man ever get released? Uh, it did. Yeah, I think um, I think Olive put that out actually at one point. <laughs> yeah. Olive signature series. I know, I Olive hope. signature series classic right there. Uh, but yeah, no, Skyman is a very different film. This is actually from uh, the co-director of the Blair Witch Project, um, Daniel Myrick. Did you watch it? Did you watch it, Mark? I did watch it. Uh, I knew you did I watch know. it. <laughs> well, I put this up as a blind buy suggestion, and I figured you'd probably veto it. So I need another bell I can ring when I guess that Mark watched a movie just based on <laughs> the subject matter. Yeah, you know what? I got the ass alarm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we need. Let's get that sound button going. You know what? I've just got so much love for the Blair Witch Project that like anything that those guys make, I'll probably I'll give a chance. Even well, though really so, none because of it's like, good. None of it's there's good. probably not one that you like since. Did you like altered? One Did you like that like. one? No, altered's terrible. Did that you like exist? Uh, I haven't seen that one actually. Okay. It's a That's a found footage one, movie, right? Bigfoot, yeah, Bigfoot footage, yeah. I'm intrigued. I mean, Wait. the one I did like was Lovely Molly. I think that oh, was Oh, that movie fantastic. sucks. What? Oh, I totally <laughs> disagree There's an amazing sequence in that movie where, like, the woman is, like, sexually assaulted, which is bad, by a ghost. And her boss watches the tape with her where she's just being sexually assaulted by a ghost. And he's like, this is unacceptable. You're fired. Well, he thinks she's just, like, messing around, right? Like, yeah, he... but, it, like, her clothes is being ripped off. And... That 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 was a funny one because me and my friends for years we always would go lovely Molly <laughs> like the horse is like saying because right. I think someone is saying her name at some at some point. I think so. Like, yeah. Well, I completely disagree with you, and I I love Lovely Molly. I thought it was. Did you see it once at Midnight Madness when it came no, out? I actually never saw it at Midnight Madness. I saw it. I saw it afterwards. I just rented it kind of on a whim. Um, and I really like. Honestly, man, I thought it was really creepy. It really worked for me. It was really effective. <laughs> Doesn't it end with her like walking in the dark, like turning around, and she's got like thriller eyes or something? No, like no. That? She walks <laughs> out. She walks out into the like the demon that's calling her, basically. The giant horseman. Okay. Well. Well, cause she she gets sexual assaulted by a horse doesn't she yeah it's that's like a, what, horse it's a horse demon, demon. that's what that's why it's so violent yeah fan of that movie but other other than that then yeah not many not many of their movies have been good there was also seventh what Moon, about that that ufo one believers oh, terrible too i hated that <laughs> What about seventh the seventh moon? moon? Yeah, Man, I know all moon, their titles. That was just bad. Off the top of my head. Uh, that was with the, yeah. That one was just dark. That's like Amy Smart running through the fields in somewhere in like rural Japan for like an hour and a half in the dark. Like that's all it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, I wouldn't say any of their movies are necessarily great, but. I don't know. It's like I keep hoping for something better from them. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Daniel Myr- so Daniel Myrick's probably directed less than the other guy who directed like Lovely Molly and I think ex- uh, Altered and Exist. One of them that I those. liked that wasn't made by the directors was the one I kind of liked it was like the aliens in the shopping mall. Did you ever see that one? It's like takes place during Christmas, too. Um, it's like an inv- actually I don't know. It's like an invasion of the body one. snatchers one. It was directed by the art designer on the Blair Witch, the guy who made like the the little um you know figurines that everybody knows. 
Yeah. Like the little f- stick figures and everything. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one, actually. So I'll check that out. All right, so Skyman. Um, it's about so aliens. Skyman, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so this is found footage, so he's going back to his Ugh. roots here. Supposedly they hate found footage, and they don't want to do it anymore. Although they always do it, so... It's probably the only thing they can get money <laughs> for. Um, and it also has to do with aliens, which they've done before. So it's basically about... So it's like a mockumentary, I guess, about a guy who was... A par- he, you know, lives in... He's like a trailer park kind of guy, and he lives – he was apparently abducted by aliens when he was a kid, um, kind of been the laughing stock of the community since, and he's convinced that now he's like in his 40s or something. He's convinced that the aliens are going to come back for him basically or like for some great purpose. So the whole movie is him just – you're kind of just like – it's like a documentary about this guy who was like abducted talking about how he was abducted by aliens and something's going to happen. Um, and then, you know, that kind of goes on for an hour or so. And then they, you know, kind of him and I believe his sister kind of get together and they're like ready for the night. Like he knows it's going to happen on one night. And then for the last like 20 minutes, it just becomes the Blair Watch Project again, where people are like running around outside and like <laughs> you can't see anything. And then, Apparently the aliens come at one point. You kind of see lights off in the distance. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I much preferred something like, you know, the McPherson tape, which we talked about like years ago or years ago. It feels like years ago now, um, which was kind of like a precursor to the Blair Witch Project that dealt with like alien abduction on like a much lower budget. I don't know. I mean, it's not necessarily bad. It just like it doesn't really... It's not really that scary. It doesn't really offer you anything you haven't really seen before. So, yeah, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a no for me. This is gonna be another. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is gonna be another <laughs> swing and a miss for the Blair Witch Project, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know why I keep, but you know what? The next how many next more chances movie, are we gonna get? Like, endless chances. I'm never gonna stop watching it. <laughs> wait, so what are some good found footage movies then for people to check out? Well. Uh, the last broadcast, obviously. I feel like we've talked about the last broadcast before. That's kind of like... Wait, that's not the Jersey Devil one, is there? Is that like a... Jer- that is the Jersey Devil one, yeah. So that was like a precursor to the Blair Witch Project. It was made like a couple years before. Are you a fan of My Little Eye? I do like My Little Eye, actually. I'm a big fan of that. That's like an early like reality TV horror movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's too mean. Uh, that was my issue when I saw I it. I haven't seen it in years. Like, I loved it when it first came out. And I still have a DVD of it somewhere lying around. Uh, I've been meaning to go back to it. So I don't know how it holds up nowadays. But I think at the time, I was really taken by, like, the structure I of really it. Liked, I really liked uh, The Last Horror Movie. Did you ever see that one? No, I haven't seen that. I know that's, like, a big one, though. I got to I gotta get on that. Um, but, yeah, no, found footage... I don't know. They made so many found footage movies for a while there. <laughs> I love how your recommendation is the one that came out before The Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What are you going to say? You're like, uh, I don't know, Cannibal Holocaust? You know what? <laughs> in terms of recent found footage movies, I would say... Grave Encounters 2. Yeah, you know, you know, Grave, the first Grave Encounters I really liked. I was a big fan of that. Grave Encounters 2 is terrible, though. I did not I like really wanted one. to like Willow Creek. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, Bobcat let me down. He made a Bigfoot with no Bigfoots in it. Ah, that's that's a shame. There's actually a really good one. It's going to sound cheesy, but there's a good one. It's a Canadian film, actually, called 388 Arletta Avenue. No, never it's even heard with, of it. Uh, it's with Nick Stahl, pre-like, <laughs> this is like 2010 or 11, maybe, Nick Stahl. 
Um, and Devin Sawa, actually, everybody's favorite. What a I cast know. in a found footage movie. And Nick Stahl basically just plays like some, you know, some suburban guy or whatever. And he and him and his wife start um, thinking somebody's breaking into their place. So they install uh, security cameras in their home and weird things start to happen. And then he starts to suspect that it's Devin Sawa's character, who's this guy he used to know in high school who he saw like stalking around somewhere. It's actually it sounds cheesy, but it's actually a really effective found footage thriller so that I reminded would... me of lake mungo that's a fun not a found footage film but that's like a documentary one yeah more of like a faux yeah a faux documentary i love lake mungo though that movie is like definitely a ghost story where you feel like the tragedy mm-hmm. of like being a ghost right like in that whole process it's way more way more sad maybe than scary but it's scary at first because you don't know what's going on oh it's got terrifying moments in it and then I just remember being really like upset by the ending you know it really leaves like a sad kind of have uh, you ever read A Head Full of Ghosts the Paul Tromblain book you definitely check it out because it's about them shooting like a reality TV series about ghost stuff and it has, like, one of the most, like, Ooh, frightening like endings of all time. And it's a fiction? And like, it's a it's fiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I started reading it, I was like, how frightening can this be? But the end, I was supposed to read it with my partner, Emily, and I was like, you can't read this. This will, like, disturb you too much. Like, I know what freaks her out, and, like, that's something that would yeah. freak her out. Okay, I'll mention that to my partner, too. She is a huge, like, ghost uh, like ghost novel reader, and I feel like she would be really into that. What are some of the funniest found footage movies, though, that you see? Funniest? Like, in a bad way? In a bad right? way, yes. Oh, no, in a good way. In a good you know, way? You're like, laughing. intentionally funny? Um, no, not intentionally funny. Not, like, found footage 3D or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which I never even saw. I, yeah, I got so burned out on found footage. It was just. <laughs> well, you still keep going back to the Blair Witch guys. You just can't help yourself. I know. I do. I do. I think I find like bad found footage movies just more boring than anything else. I'm not sure I can think of many that were like unintentionally funny. Uh, well, one I did like recently was Hell House LLC. Shutter movie. So. Yeah, because they, they've made three now, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I saw the second one and it wasn't as good. But the first Hell House LLC is excellent. I really liked that. That was cool. All right, too. well, there's a bunch of found footage recommendation. Mark has nothing to laugh at because found footage movies, when they're bad, they're just boring. How hard is it to have likable characters, stuff happening on the found footage, and a satisfying ending that's just not everybody being killed? It's not that hard. Oh, another good one that's fairly recent is Gonjiem Haunted Asylum, uh, which is a Korean one, which is really excellent. It's kind of it's got like a cheesy kind of start to it where it's like a bunch of like YouTubers are like doing like they go investigate like haunted places. So they go to like this haunted mental asylum that's just like shut down and everything. It's very Blair Witch Project at first. And they all have like, you know, fancy GoPro cameras and stuff. But it gets the characters are all really likable. They're all like super engaging, super likable, and it gets really scary for sure. I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel like it. It does a lot of the same kind of tropes, but it's creepy. Yeah. No, Rory, the curse is really good, too. Oh, yeah. I love that one, too. That is excellent. The ending of Impossible Horror in the first draft was the story ends and the characters turn to each other like, now let's finish that found footage movie we made. And then they high five because I want it to be the opposite of every nice. found footage movie, which is yeah, like that everybody totally, just dies. Totally. And then it's the end and they're like, where did this footage come from? No, that's that. That's great. Yeah. So there are a lot of good found footage movies out there. There's just... There's just a lot of bad ones, too. Okay, so that's it for Bay Street Video Podcast. Uh, until next week, my name's Justin Clue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. And keep on renting. Found footage movies. <laughs> yeah, definitely found footage movies. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.